We're live. I'm here. <laughs> Hi, my name's Chloe. Welcome to the Talk Truth Podcast. Congratulations. This is the first ever episode. So if you are hanging with me, I can call you a, either a true friend or a true family member. An OG. An OG. You, you're, you're a real one. Um, so yeah, what this podcast is all about is just giving biblical answers to life questions. I got the idea because my students ask me a lot of questions concerning the Bible, theology, life, relationships, and random stuff, honestly. But I wanted to sit down and be able to give them well-thought-out answers, which I do, but I, in the process of doing that, realized that people just in general have these same questions, and a lot of, I feel like, people I know would... Um, maybe benefit from hearing some biblical answers. And so for this first episode, I'm so excited because I have with me my friend Stephanie. She's probably been my most um, consistent friend since I moved to the lovely state of Florida back in 2013. So um, we've come a long way. We've gone through some pretty awkward patches and we've had some, we've just had a lot of development together as as humans. So I'm really glad that she's here. Stephanie has a Master's of Arts in Counseling with a specialization in clinical mental health, and she is currently a regional advocate for human trafficking victims uh, working with an organization in the state of Florida. So, Stephanie, I'm so glad that you came. Thank you for having me. I'm so thrilled that I get to be your guinea pig in this process. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're one of many. (laughs) No guinea pigs are harmed in the making of these podcasts. So Just, Just feed me. You gave me water and coffee and I'm good. So I received a question, um, that deals with relational boundaries. And this person basically just wants to know, how do I set relational boundaries with people who I feel like have hurt me in the past when God's word has told me to love them Mm. with everything in me. And so um, this one I feel like hits home for a lot of people, um, whether they were born into a situation that they feel like they need to love or honor somebody who has repeatedly hurt them. Mm. Um, And maybe it's a relationship or maybe it's a friendship. And so there are a lot of different bubbles we could put this question in and the answer will vary. Mm. Um, but I felt like you would be a great person to help me unpack this. So what would you say to this listener? Mm. So it sounds like from her question that this is someone who's been an offender before. So someone who has broken trust with her, um, based on, you know, I don't know, the, the question's pretty general, but I feel like we can cover a few things about boundaries. Um, I mean, from a biblical standpoint, we know that the first relationship that happened was with us and God. And then, you know, God said, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. And so he created a woman for Adam. Um, not to say that God's love isn't sufficient for our lives, but God knows that there's a need for community and need to expound that community, um, with us. So relationships are good. Um, and we shouldn't just rely on ourselves for that, but we need that, that community, that face to face. Um, so we, and we see the first boundary in the garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, you know, when Adam and Eve, sinned against God, they only had one rule, don't 
don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good of, e- of evil. And um, you see that God's response to their sin is not by berating them, by by asking them a question. Mm-hmm. And the question is, where are you? And it's not that God didn't know where they were. He was asking that so that they can reflect yeah. and make a choice to speak truth and to reflect on what they did. Mm-hmm. So I think a key thing in boundaries is being able to let the person, not just you, think about, you know, an offense or a break of trust and ask them, hey, did you, when you did this, can you help me understand where you came from in that? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the times we come from different backgrounds, a lot of different experiences and ways of life. So sometimes like, you know, some people don't wash their dishes right after dinner. Sometimes they wait. So, you know, waiting to hear about a person, um, their perspective on life and why they do things is important. Yeah. Um, I but, feel like that's good. Like just handling conflict in general. I mean, that's Matthew 18, like pull a person aside and it's not just for you to express your anger or your grief over mm-hmm. what happened in the situation, but to also like hear where they're coming from because yeah. sometimes our experiences lie to us too. Yeah. Like your feelings, they, they're an indicator. Yes. But sometimes your feelings and your feelings and how you respond to mm. the situation and your experience will lie to you. And so maybe mm. you need to hear where the person came from to understand why they reacted the way they did, or yeah. maybe why you took it in the way you did too. Mm-hmm. And also going back to like the emotions being indicators, like mm-hmm. noticing them not as truth, but as red flags. Okay. Yeah. Why is this emotion coming up for me? Why do I keep experiencing frustration when I'm dealing with this person? What about them crossing this boundary makes it so difficult for me emotionally. Yeah. So let's say we pull the person to the side Mm -hmm. and we have the talk, but they're continually breaking that boundary. Mm -hmm. So when I was a practicing student counselor um, in grad school, I used to give this analogy to clients all the time. Imagine you're at a community pool and you're the lifeguard and you're in control there of who's allowed where in the pool area. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, I've got my deep end people. So Chloe's in that deep end. Um, my friend Brooke, our friend Brooke is also mm-hmm. in that deep end. Um, and a couple of other friends that I've made who I know um, from personal experience, you know, they're trustworthy, you know, they've got my back, you know, they say what they mean and they mean what they say. You know, their their actions match up with their words. And I can count on them that if I tell them something, it's going to stay there. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I've got my shallow end people. And those people are, you know, they're, they're really cool. We like them. We've hung out a couple of times, you know, but I don't know enough about them to be able to trust them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean that they're not allowed in the pool. They're just not allowed in the deep end yet. Yeah. Um, so we, we wait to see where those friends are in life. And that's yeah. okay. Like, that doesn't mean that they're less important as the deep end friends. Mm-hmm. But we just haven't seen, you know, a pattern of behavior. Yeah. And just because somebody goes, like, allows, you might be allowed in somebody's deep end. But that doesn't mean that you have to involve them in your deep end pool. Yeah. Like, there have been people who want to involve me in, in their deep end, you know, and 
I enjoy their time maybe or maybe I don't enjoy their time but like my act of love is to is to just listen to them and that doesn't mean that I need to extend the offer for them to like know every part of me you know and I think that that's just guarding my heart Mm -hmm. too so yeah I think someone said statistically like you know about like some crazy number like 300 people that you make contact with Mm-hmm. About 300 people. And if we all had those deep end connections with 300 people, no one, no one's brain is capable of being able to have that many deep relationships with people. Yeah. That'd be just way too much. And I don't think anyone could handle that. But, you know, having three to four, five deep end people, you know, it, it fits with, you know, just normal day-to-day life. Like, yeah. you don't see that many people... I mean, even Jesus, he had... The disciples. Well, he had the disciples, and then Peter, James, and John were, like, his, his like, homies. That's right. And when he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane, he calls the closest ones to him to watch with him. Yeah. And, yes, they failed to do that, but (laughs) he still was wise about who he chose. And I think the same thing for us. Like, we don't have to Mm -hmm. involve everybody in all of our deep things the one way that I know if it's worth sharing something like deep in my life is if I ask myself two questions like is opening up to this person going to make me grow Mm -hmm. or is opening up to this person going to make this person grow Mm -hmm. and if I can't answer one of those questions with yes Mm -hmm. then there really is no point in me like opening up a deep part of my life too that I'm right. just not ready to share it. It's kind of like scripture says, like all things could, you know, a lot of things can be lawful, but that doesn't mean they're beneficial. Yeah. And so really taking the time to analyze, okay, is this going to profit something for mm-hmm. me or another person? Or is this just going to be something that, I mean, I'm free to do in Christ, but like, is it beneficial? Yeah. Um, but going back to the boundaries pool, so you've got your deep end, you've got your shallow, and then you kind of got your lawn chair people <laughs> and those people, you know, they're chilling, you know, in the, in the sun, <laughs> sunbathing, but you know, maybe they're a good acquaintance. Maybe there's someone who's been in the shallow end and got demoted, <laughs> but, but for some reason you're not quite allowing them in the pool yet, but they're in the pool area. Yeah. Um, and I think we've got some of those people in our lives that we, you know, we, we might get there with them, but we just don't know enough information about them mm-hmm. to know who they are. Or maybe, you know, they were trustworthy, but then they showed that maybe in some way that they weren't. Yeah. So they kind of got pushed out of the pool and into the lawn chairs. And then we have our people outside the gate. <laughs> and those people, we just smile and wave. And that's and that's what we do. Smile and wave, boys. Smile and smile wave, and boys. wave. Yeah. So how do we know where to put people Yeah, so I think a lot of us kind of have, like, this internal clock of, like, intuition for who's safe and who's not, but our emotions will tell us, "Mm, but I feel like they should be here. Mm -hmm. Well, just because you feel like they should be there, like, whether that's, like, a parent, a family member, a best friend, a boyfriend, girlfriend, that doesn't necessarily mean they should be there. Yeah. Um, They might have proven to, just because they have a title doesn't necessarily mean that they have a space where you think they should be. Oh, yeah. You know? Like, just because someone has a title in your life 
it doesn't mean that they have dominion in some way yeah. over your boundaries. Yeah. Um, nobody does. And I think, like, God is pretty good about having clear boundaries with his people. Like, yeah. I mean, the Israelites rejected him so many times. But he was like, no, there there are consequences. If you choose to do this, this is what will happen. Yeah. You know, whether that's slavery or whether that was, like, um, you know, legs or what have you like there are clear-cut boundaries for you know life um but I think for a lot of us who struggle with that um codependency is a really hard thing when you you know you want that deep relationship with someone you want to be able to share those things but maybe you just haven't had anyone in your life to be consistent as a safe person And that's really tough because we all need those relationships. But looking in places where you know, you know, people will say and do what they say they will do. And someone who has maybe shown in someone else's life that they've been consistent. Mm -hmm. And asking those people to stick around. I think that's really important. But um, so the boundaries pool is something I've talked about. And then um, another thing I... (laughs) I talk about, I'm laughing because the website I pulled it from is called Codependency No More, (laughs) which is pretty um, relevant. Um, So uh, if you read this book, it's a really good book um, called How to Avoid Falling in Love with a Jerk. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a really helpful book for me to kind of navigate how to have healthy romantic relationships, but also in a lot of ways, how to have healthy friend relationships. Yeah. Because I remember in high school just like telling people who I wanted to be my safe person mm-hmm. some really deep things about me that they didn't really deserve getting to know because they didn't really deserve that spot in the deep end yet. Um, but I just kind of gave it hoping that I can get a deep connection. Yeah. But a lot of people just jump the gun on relationships. And something that I learned from the book is the relationship attachment model so in order to know some in order to trust someone you need to know them first so the first step is to know and I think we see that in scripture like God wants us to know us to be still and know that he is God that is the first step on how we initiate a relationship with him so getting to know someone you know whether that's you know a coffee date or you know something shallow you know, it's healthy sometimes to just have basic conversation. Yeah. You can get a good feel for someone just in the mundane day-to-day life stuff. Yeah. And that's just how relationships start. You don't, you know, have this romantic conception of, like, meeting someone on the train and, like, falling in on love. On the train of all things. You know, like, I think I watch... I hang out on the train, like, once a week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of that Ethan Hawke movie where he, like, meets that girl on the train and, like spends 24 hours in Europe before his plane flight his flight is it called the girl on the train no it's that's something I don't know before sunset (laughs) before sunset it's like a really cult classic indie film but it's about like really yeah of course um but they meet on a train and they get to know each other and they just speak about the deepest parts of their thoughts and they just make this really (laughs) unhealthy attachment together I mean I think that that's like typical even for high school even in your 20s and probably 30s yeah you could be any 40s 50s this happens people especially over a phone it's so easy to text I remember Mm -hmm. when I was in high school there were like 
a couple guys that I was infatuated by and I would just they they would pay attention to me and it was like a Mario thing where like oh congratulations unlocked next level you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah. this where where I would just share like some deep parts of my life or even there there were people even in college that I just I felt like they could potentially be my future husband right. and so I would unload like my dreams on them mm. and they didn't need to know all of that and I wasn't guarding my heart in that but there wasn't really anybody showing me that that was wrong you know and I think that's so hard because we all have this desire for intimacy and mm-hmm. it's so beautiful and normal to want and desire that and dream that yeah but it's so important who we choose it with and mm-hmm. that's really the bottom line is it's not a sin or bad or evil to feel like you want to be close to someone it's so it's how we are wired. Yeah. We're wired to know and to and to understand and to feel with people, but we have to know how to do it correctly. Yeah. So that, you know, we're not hurting other people and they're not hurting us. Yeah. Um, but back to the attachment model, you need to know someone to trust them. Mm-hmm. And then you need to trust someone to rely on them. Okay. So like you can you can trust someone, but it's the next step would be relying on them. You know, if my car breaks down on the side of the road, you know, I can trust them, but can I rely on them to, like, be there when it counts? Yeah. Can I really rely on them when I set a boundary that, hey, like, I don't want this talked about in public. Like, I feel like this is a private thing, and, you know, I want to keep it between us. Yeah. Can you rely on them to keep that between y'all? Um So that's an important aspect of relationship. So it's knowing, then trusting, relying, and then to rely on someone, then you can commit to them. Yeah. So you know you can know them, you trust them, you rely on them, you've seen them um, practice, you know. History repeats itself, so if we see a pattern of behavior, we can say, okay, well, I know that they're reliable in these ways, and... I think I can start committing myself to them in a relationship, mm-hmm. whether that's a friend relationship or a romantic one. Yeah. Then, and this is the next one. The next one is touch. So you've got rely or no trust, rely, commit, and then touch. And how many times do we see in romantic relationships that touch is the first thing yeah. that people will go to for intimacy? Mm-hmm. And they do this, you know, they engage, like, you know, you might go to a bar, go for a hookup, but, like, you're engaging in that, and, you know, you don't know them, you don't trust them, you don't rely on them or commit to them, and you're already having this intimate relationship with them through physical touch Mm -hmm. when they haven't even been able to access the other four parts of the relationship that are so beneficial and needed. Um, And I think that's something in our culture that's just really tough to understand because you know we see these romanced you know rom-com idealisms of you know the intimacy just comes and when you feel it you feel it yeah but you really don't I think the book um that I'm mentioning how to avoid falling in love with a jerk it says it takes one to two years to fully get to know someone and people will commit way before that okay so let's say that somebody who has been in the deep end needs to be moved to the shallow end Mm. and they think that they still have access to the deep end because they once had it Mm. how do we just move them over to the shallow end without 
removing them from our lives because yeah. let's say it's a family member who you want to honor and you want to respect and you want mm. to keep around in your life because you do love them yeah. but they just are dragging you down there maybe bringing yeah. you away from Christ um how would you respond to somebody who's dealing with that okay so what I might say to that too is a lot of times especially in a cancel culture we just want to move people willy-nilly and I get it yeah cancel them like I get it like I've been on that train like when you really want them to be outside the gate boy bye boy bye you know but I think the key thing here is and especially in a biblical response like like you were saying about conflict in Matthew going to the person that's offended you and being able to do that one-on-one and then if they don't respond to it bringing in another person yeah so what I would say that is before you make a lifeguard move or you blow your whistle and tell them where to go (laughs) making a boundary statement to them and engaging them and saying you know our our example was a family member right yeah you know um aunt margaret i i really appreciate our relationship like i really value the time i get to spend with you when we you know are at christmas and we make apple pie together and Mm -hmm. i think it's really sweet (laughs) that we have that time together but you know sometimes when you bring up the fact that i'm single at the holiday parties it makes me feel really uncomfortable um, and the next time we're together at a family function, I need you to not mention my dating life. Yeah. Um, that's just something personal for me that I don't want addressed in front of the family. And yeah, I would just pre- appreciate it if we don't talk about it anymore and engage with that. And you can see the response on someone, maybe aunt Margaret's like, Oh no, honey, I had no idea. Like, that made you feel so uncomfortable. I won't talk about it. Like, and you can see like, hmm, okay. So I engaged with her. I communicated my, my need for a boundary. Yeah. And she accepted it right away. Or, you know, Aunt Margaret goes, oh, oh, I, I didn't know that. Like, it's really that big of a deal to you. And she might be a little bit responsive. But she might be pushing a little bit because maybe that offended her yeah, or insulted feels her. Feels called out. <laughs> feels called out a little bit, which is fine. Like yeah. sometimes when we have boundaries put on us, that might make us feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So maybe talking with Aunt Margaret about what it really feels like, you know, and still setting the boundaries, still being firm, but also being patient and being like, yeah, I know, like you just want me to be with someone, and I get that, but for me, it's just not a good time to talk about it. I would really like it if you refrain from talking about it, Mm -hmm. you know? And then, you know, if there's a response that Aunt Margaret is like, oh, honey, you're just being so sensitive. Like, you know. Classic Aunt Margaret. Yeah, she's just. She just doesn't hear anything. She's just wanting you to be happy. Like, (laughs) come on, get with it. Especially if she laughs, too. We all. Yeah, (laughs) and that's really normalized in families sometimes where it's like, you know, you've got a dynamic going and you push a little back a bit and they're like, oh, that's that's different. That's new. Yeah. That's weird. But it's appropriate to have those boundaries, even if it's not culturally acceptable in your home mm-hmm. or family. And saying, you know, if Aunt Margaret's making the ha-ha funnies while you're trying to make this boundary, like, you know, Aunt Margaret, like, I've asked you nicely not to, you know, bring it up and... You know, if you do bring it up next time, I don't think we can 
you know, engage in conversation and I might have to walk away. So making a boundary that's appropriate to the the boundary you're making. So yeah. if, if, you know, <laughs> if Aunt Margaret's talking about, you know, the guy that you flirted with last Christmas or whatever and she's bringing it up not saying oh we'll never make apple pie again like it's over we're done I'm washing my hands of you canceled yeah you know but making the boundary that fits the consequence and it's like mature to explain what's going to happen if this happens and then you're not like flipping a table for no reason Yeah. yeah it's not it's not going to catch her off guard. You did it in a private setting and then you follow through with it. Yeah. Not making a mountain out of a molehill and, you know, saying, you know, I don't want you to parent my my kids, mom and dad. Yeah. And then, you know, saying, well, you'll never see my grandkids again if you yeah. do it. But, you know. And I think when you um, think through how you're going to handle those situations beforehand and you communicate it, then you don't. You, you've thought out what your response is going to be before you act out of anger um, or out of frustration. Not that it's bad to be angry, mm-hmm. not that it's bad to be frustrated. Yeah. But I think oftentimes, well, God says, be angry and do not sin. You can still be angry, remove yourself from the situation, yeah. or um, act out that boundary, and then you're not sinning. Because there have been times when, um, using the family example for instance, like, my family will say something, may probably about me being single too. And I'm just like, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And I, I will get mad or something. I don't know. But responding with the boundary that I had set mm. will, will help me to not sin. Yeah. And I think that's the key part right there is that we should not be setting our boundaries for other people, but we should be a people that are self-controlled and self-reflective mm-hmm. where we just have our own boundaries and whatever that is, is an outflow of our relationships with other people. Yeah. So having your own boundaries set for self-care, you know, with exercising and eating well or what time you go to bed or the stuff that you talk about. Like if your family is gossiping, I know we're throwing family under the bus a lot. We love family, we promise. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, setting boundaries by not gossiping, you know, if your family is gossiping, that's a natural boundary that you have that you will not engage with that. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're against them. It just means that you already have your own boundaries set that, you know, I will not engage in gossiping. Yeah. You know? That's not me making a boundary on you. That's me saying, no, I will not engage with this. Yeah. You know? And I think what we have to realize is that we need to be people that lovingly have boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm obsessed with um, Dr. Henry Cloud's podcast called Boundaries.me. Um, and he he's the king of boundaries. He wrote the boundaries books about boundaries and dating, boundaries and marriage, boundaries in general. Um, and he talks about how freedom equals responsibility equals love. You know, when mm-hmm. we're able to have freedom with ourselves, like freedom in Christ, freedom with ourselves, not against sin, um, but in freedom, freedom equals responsibility equals love. When we're able to have all of those things, we're able to maneuver out of healthy relationships. Yeah. From us being well with God, 
you know, abiding in the vine, as John 15 says. And when we abide in that vine, that becomes a product and fruit of his love. And something that I love, what my, one of my pastors, um, Pastor Chad Gilbert, um, when he was at uh, Edgewater Baptist Church in New Orleans, he said that the tree growing fruit isn't for the benefit of the tree, but for others. Because hmm. the fruit is the product that someone else takes from. Yeah. So, you know, whether, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. When we cultivate that as us being the tree, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus being the vine, we're a- able to produce that fruit for others to be able to glean from. Yeah. Not us, mm-hmm. but for others. And that includes having self-control. Yeah. And so when we have our own self-control... We're good with boundaries, you know, we're working on, if you do have codependency, um, you know, practicing that with your own self and your own routine, and then that becomes an outflow of relationships. Chloe is one of my really good friends who's good at boundaries. (laughs) Chloe is good at it, and it it challenges me, and the way that she's so good at it is she she is self-controlled and disciplined to where she's got her life, you know, not overly regimented but in a way that she's living healthily where she's able to manage her you know exercise and you know food planning and budgeting and like focusing on studying time with the word and with her students and being able to do that she has cultivated healthy boundaries so that that can be an outflow into her relationships oh that's not hyping me up that's hyping up the holy spirit (laughs) (laughs) but when you were talking about the 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 tree producing the fruit Mm -hmm. an apple tree for instance doesn't wake up one day and close its eyes and clenches its fist and says oh my gosh i'm gonna try really 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 hard today to produce apples no the apple tree Mm -hmm. is cultivated and it's placed in well it's placed in the right place to cultivate the fruit that it needs to cultivate um so let's say a tree needs good light it needs um, the right amount of water, not too much water, but just the right amount. Mm -hmm. And, um, it needs to be around other trees to produce this certain kind of fruit. Mm. Um, it's not going to, like I said, with the apple tree, wake up and just try to produce the fruit. But the way that we produce this fruit is not by our own merit. It's not by our own strength, Mm. but when we are in relationship with God, um, and we spend time with him, that is what is going to produce the fruit. I think we live in such, well, I mean, just as humans, not even our culture. I think from the start of humanity, we've wanted to try to be good people. Um, But we're not going to be good people, and we're not going to set boundaries, and we're not going to have self-control and um, be gentle with our words and with our actions that's only done when we have a relationship with God and know that and remind ourselves that he died on the cross for our sins and that he's coming back again. And that's how we're going to find true redemption and have forgiveness with people mm-hmm. for, I mean, for people when they either cross boundaries or, um, just to, just to know where to, to put them, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Having um, that discernment. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we, we will produce the fruit when we know God yeah. and when we spend time with him. You become like the people that you put yourselves around 
And the same with Christ. We will have Christ-like boundaries when we spend time with him and we become Mm -hmm. like him. Yeah. And coming off of something that you said, um, you know, I think of Romans 12 too that says, you know, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Mm -hmm. And the way that we do that is by renewing our mind, you know, um, challenging the negative thoughts that go against scripture um, and just against our own negative, you know, belief systems, whether that's, you know, we run into a situation and we think, we know what someone's thinking when we don't. Yeah. Or like fortune telling, like, oh yeah, I see the future and you know, I know how this situation's gonna play out. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of negative things that we can think of, dysfunctional thoughts. And God's word is saying, like, don't be conformed by the world or your experience, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah. Um, in a way that I've explained that before in to be brain science-y, <laughs> um, but our brains have neural pathways. And the more that we practice a certain habit, the easier it is to um, go down that neural pathway in our brain to make that habit happen. Yeah. So if you're driving on um, a grassy road and your car is running down on the grass, it's a little bumpy um, as you're going down that grass path. But the more your car drives on it, the more that the grass path is cleared and it becomes a dirt path Mm -hmm. for your car just to drive on. And that's kind of what it's like for our brains when we're practicing a habit. Like we need to abide in the vine and be transformed by the renewing of our minds in Christ. But we also need to practice those things and make it practical. So the more you practice a habit, the more you're doing it, the easier it is for you to make that habit a part of your natural routine. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you mentioned that we're able to make these decisions when we have a relationship with Christ about where to put people. Yeah. I also want to take the opportunity to say forgiveness does not equal reconciliation. You know, I think a lot of times Christians will think, you know, oh, well, we were at the deep end and, you know, we had a really, really good relationship and then something happened and we feel like we got to reconcile. We got to put it back to normal. Yeah. But I think a lot of times it's healthy and good to, we can forgive people, but that doesn't mean that they go back in the deep end. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, some people grow and change and they think differently and might live their lives in a different lifestyle than you. Mm-hmm. And it's it's appropriate to say, hey... Like, I forgive you, but I don't think that we can go back to the way that things were in our relationship. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of deep hurt here, and I think it would be healthy if we had, you know, we learned from this experience and we, you know, found other people to put in our deep end. Yeah. So we talked about a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess in sum, um, we could take away that boundaries are healthy, mm-hmm. and as you grow, your boundaries are probably going to change with you. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. I think a lot of people associate change with something negative, but if you're growing and if you're a different person than you were five years ago, that's good. All right. So I have one last question for you. Mm -hmm. It's kind of intense. Oh. What is at the top of your on repeat playlist on Spotify? Uh, Like the first song or like the first couple songs? 
I mean, if you can't resist, but share the first couple. Go for <laughs> okay. <it. laughs> I feel like if I don't give more than one, I'll be judged. <laughs> um, actually, it's I Love You So Bad by Lanny. That's Is the- that how you say it? I've been saying Lanny. Lainey? I don't know. It's It stands for L-A-N-Y, like the places. Are you serious? Yeah. I was today years old and I found that out. <laughs> <laughs> the more you know, Rainbow. <laughs> um, that's one. Dance Alone by Blanks. He's like this YouTuber that will like make songs in like 10 seconds or like 10 minutes. Is he the same one that does the 80s? Yes. Oh my gosh. Mom. He's really cool. Yeah, the 80s yeah. covers... Dance Alone is really good. That's cool. Caution by The Killers. The Killers had, like, a new album come out later this year. I love them to death. Okay. And September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. (laughs) (laughs) Chloe knows how much I love that song. (laughs) All right. So, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me and hanging out. Anytime. Um, I'm sure that not only I benefited from your wisdom, but a lot of the listeners did. So, Um, Stay tuned for the next Talk Truth podcast. Have a great day and remember to talk truth.